This podcast is brought to you by Shift Management Supervisory Leadership Certificate Course, where online learning and live web coaching bring out the very best in frontline and middle managers. Move from operations to management thinking and develop the skills for leadership, reaching your company goals at the same time. Check out our Supervisory Leadership Certificate Course on the shiftworkplace.com website today. I'm so glad you could join us today on the Culture and Leadership Connections podcast. My special guest today is Kara Bedford, who is the Director of Strategic Marketing for CompuVision, a Canadian core IT service provider that specializes in how disruptive technologies can change traditional businesses. She is the Managing Editor of Disruption Magazine Canada and the product owner of Taskify. For Kara, asking why is one of the most important questions we can ask as a society today. And her work is driven by curiosity in a time when technology is moving faster than ever before. Welcome, Kara. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So, Kara, that was the official bio. I'm wondering if you could also add a few personal details for our listeners. Oh, yeah. Um, So, I'm a mom. I have a three-year-old son. I am a female in tech. There is not very many of us, but it is always growing, and I'm so happy to see where this industry has been headed in the last few years. And I really am just looking forward to uh, discussing some of the disruptive technologies and the um, you know, managed IT services, protection services, and acceleration technology that we're seeing in society today. Great. Well, I'm interested in finding out how you got to be into technology uh, as well. So, you know, everybody's got a childhood and something in your childhood must have led you to believe that technology was something that you would be good at or that you were interested in. How did you get started in technology? Yeah, so uh, that's a little bit of a loaded question because I, in my childhood, did nothing that would ever have led me to technology. It completely, I would say, was completely different than what I would have in technology and and what I would have thought of where I would have ended up in my career. So I grew up, you know, in Edmonton, Alberta here. I had a single mom for a lot of uh, my childhood and uh, it was my brother and, and me and her. And, you know, I'm very lucky that I've had strong female figures in my life because I've always been drawn to male dominated industries. And so I've always been a creative soul. I studied my Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, and I've always really been drawn to any type of work that is extremely creative and extremely high functioning. So you know, music, dance, video production, those kinds of things. And so for me, um, I did not ever think technology would be a place I would end up. I uh, was working actually at at, uh, a greenhouse. I was doing marketing for a greenhouse and landscaping company for six years when I went to a tech event out of the blue. I was invited by a friend of a friend and that was it. I was hooked. That world just completely made me feel like I was this tiny little ant or peon in a vast, vast world. And I went from thinking about everything I do from this kind of scarcity model into this abundance model and that the whole world could possibly be connected. And when the whole world is connected, well, things are just limitless. And so that is the story of how I kind of started to fall in love with this world I'm in now. 
Well, it's interesting how many people have stories about being exposed to something they were not exposed to when they were younger and just knowing immediately that that was right for them. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, you know, you might be thinking, well, how does marketing and tech kind of go together? And, you know, in my bio, we talked about this world that's moving so fast. And the continuation of that quote is, you know, the world is moving faster than it ever has before, but as slow as it ever will again. So if you woke up today and you felt like, oh my gosh, I just can't keep up. The world is moving really quick. You know, tomorrow is just going to continue and continue and continue. And we look at that rate and speed of technology adoption, just following that curve or that path that the same that computing power does, right? It doubles and then it quadruples and then it just kind of continues to gain speed on this hockey stick curve of computing power. And so for me, it's cutting through the noise. And I think technology has this vast world that they need really strong and clear, concise marketing behind it to cut through this world of noise that Yes, we're all connected more than ever before, but we're also, you know, taking in so much information that sometimes it's really hard to navigate. And so when you need a product like CompuVision or want to read about Canadian disruptive technologies like Disruption Magazine, it's really important that these outlets are there for someone that is looking for them. And I I really pride myself in that kind of female and tech angle and that Canadian technology spirit. Great. I think that that's good reason to be proud too. And I'm going to ask you more questions about that later, but I'd like to backtrack a little bit and just ask you if there may be one or two incidents from your childhood that you could share that you think made you into the person you are today. So for me, I definitely think growing up, like I said, with a a single mom or strong mom was a really big part um, in who I am today. Uh, She is still my best friend and my wing woman. (laughs) I couldn't have asked for a better mother. She did everything, you know, with very little and, and was very resourceful. And I find myself in my adulthood, really looking at that and having that. And I have her to thank for those attributes. But secondly, I'd also say that marketing was something that I fell into um, when I was hired at Salisbury Landscaping. You know, I was not really sure what I wanted to do. I was studying psychology. At the time, I was also taking courses on interior design. I thought maybe that might be something I want to do. I had also taken some courses just for fun on finance and business advisory. So my feet and my hands were in all these different pies and I didn't really know yet where I really truly belonged. And the person that was working there and doing the marketing at Salisbury uh, was no longer wanting to do that. And um, I was very fortunate to have that mentor um, that was able to kind of invest time in me and let me fail let me and you know and not fire you right and let you fail and let you learn and and kind of be able to have that knowledge and journey of you know their uh, time uh, which was quite a few years at Salisbury doing the marketing and so having their you know expertise and their time and guidance really was helpful uh, at the beginning I kind of fell into that by accident as I had a, a video production company at the time. And when the 2008 recession hit, we went from being a very viable business to having literally overnight 
uh, 80% of our clients kill all their contracts. And so I was really stuck. <laughs> I was really stuck and I was really young and I needed a place to land and uh, Salisbury was that place for me. Sounds like Salisbury provided you with a work culture that helped you to grow into yourself as an adult. Yeah. And I think that's really important. I'm watching a lot of the millennial generation come out uh, and be extremely tech savvy and being extremely educated, right? And we need to kind of move away from this culture of an education equals jobs. I'm really uh, very highly interested and highly invested in the gig economy and the future of work. I think those two mindsets and those skill-based work ethics and um, those adaptabilities, again, taking that world from scarcity to an abundant model where you can have any type of talent do whatever you want and it doesn't matter where they sit, right? How amazing is that? You know, I want a magazine done and I want it done in four days for this event. Like this is how disruption started. And I was able to do that because I was able to scale up a team that was highly effective and highly skilled to do that. And so this idea of you hire this bum on a chair just to sit there and warm a seat. I think we really need to look at how we traditionally hire and how we traditionally have our workplaces. You know, remote work is something that everybody is trying to adopt and trying to build, but they might not have the processes in place to make sure that those people still feel like they're part of the culture. And so, you know, how do we, with technology, being able to make us limitless, we can live and work anywhere. You know, how do we continue to still have those relationships and those communities? And for me, I've been running my whole life that way for the last three years. I literally have my entire team up in the freelance world or in the remote world, and they work everywhere. They work in Belize or Madrid or the United States or China. It doesn't matter. It's about who can deliver for me, the highest quality skill for that job that I need to have completed. And it's not always about price. It really isn't. For me, it's about time and productivity and effectiveness. And once you're kind of in my talent cloud, I don't let you go really easy. I've been working with the same kind of poor 12 people over the last three years. Right. I mean, I've also written about the gig economy and about the future of work. And I still think that people are desperate for relationships and they're desperate for community. I also have an entirely cloud-based staff, <laughs> but they're really not staff. They're subcontractors or gigists. We have a sense of community that we've built that's outside of the existing parameters of time and space for the most part, which you probably have as well. But at the same time, people come out of a location they come out of a place and we're all born somewhere and that influences who we are. So you have been born into some groups. You've been born into a national group. You've been born an ethnic group, racial group, into a time in history. So what would you say has influenced your sense of culture and who you are without going into the idea of being into a third space, which you've talked about quite a bit already, but where's your ground? Where are you coming from, your groundedness? You have to land somewhere. So where did you take off from and where are you landing? You know what? I, I kind of disagree, actually. This is why podcasts are amazing. I don't feel like I have to technically land anywhere. You know, I'm a, on my father's side. I'm a first-generation Canadian. Uh, they immigrated from Italy. And on my mother's side, um, you know, they all came from the Ukraine and were farmers and then decided that education was 
something that everybody needed. And my grandparents worked really hard to give all three of their children the opportunities to get education, to become doctors and nurses and and whatever they wanted. And so I don't know if landing is the right word for me. That's just not resonating because I just I take all of that and then I take everything that I'm coming into contact with around the world. You know, some really good stories from diversifying my experiences with who I work with. We were doing a blog article and uh, we were in the middle of discussing it and I heard an air raid siren on the back of this guy's computer and I heard screaming and I heard, get down, get down, get down. And he was in a coffee shop when we were working on this blog and the air raid siren had gone off in the background. If those types of people can still deliver a blog on time and on budget in those types of adverse conditions, like what is stopping us? I'm going to stop you on that because the diverse conditions came from the fact that you had two parents from different ethnicities who immigrated, right? Yeah. And so then that they projected into the future. And they projected you into a space where you saw that that was possible. Had they stayed where they were, you might not have seen the horizon in the same way that you see it now. And you might not have seen where you belong or what your possibilities would be in the same way. Because when people stay in a place, they get deep understanding. But when they move to a place, they get broad understanding. So you were prepared by those two groups to move out further. In the same way I was prepared by my parents who are in the same situation to move into the future. So I would say that that did influence your sense of self and culture. And people call that the third culture. People who were, are, came from a, a variety of immigrant experiences or have traveled a lot in their lives or have lived in different places or have learned different languages or worked in different countries. They develop a sense of themselves as being limitless But they also develop a sense of themselves as being lonely and of having difficulty connecting with people who don't share that same belief system. So I'm wondering when I'm saying these things, does that make you think of anything? Like I had to really think for myself to say, where where does my cultural heritage come from? And actually, it really comes from being a Canadian, but coming from these those two immigrant backgrounds. And I, I suspect you may have something similar, but it may take off in a different way because we're different people, of course. Yeah. And I also think, you know, I'm at the stage of my life where I've got a little one and we're in that kind of survive and thrive mode every day, right? So I'm not thinking about as much of the past as my aunts and my uncles and my mom. Like we're talking about that a lot more around family dinners and I'm still discovering and learning kind of everything they went through. And you know what? It's really funny that as an adult, I'm getting different stories now than when I was a kid. You know, when you're a kid, you hear the stories about your grandparents coming over and it's actually like this beautiful, really nice story. But now that I'm hearing it as an adult and I'm hearing almost the true version, the non-censored version. It is just so scary and it is so dehumanizing in some aspects. And so there's a few more uh, details that I still think I need to uncover in part of my past and my heritage. Right. But there is no true story. There's only everybody's evolving understanding of what they think the story was. Yes, correct. Yeah, you'll you'll get more details, but it's going to be still there. You'll never get to whatever the true story, if there ever was one, is because it's always people's perceptions of what it was. Yeah, agreed. I still have a lot of learning and growing to do in terms of that aspect of my life. I don't feel quite settled in that yet in my life, and, and that's okay. Asking curious questions and still being on that journey is okay. 
Yeah, good response. You did grow up in things like dance, for example. Dance is a culture. Yeah, more so drama. Anything you grew up in where there was a group would have some influence on who you are and how you think and are. Yeah, absolutely. So can you identify any, any of those? It's funny. I was very much prone to group activities, uh, sports and creative. I kind of lived both worlds. My mom and my brother uh, would laugh that, you know, I was a jock, you know, from 5 to 7 p.m. and, you know, a drama nerd through the rest of the day. So I never really lived one persona. I got to experience a bunch of different ones by immersing myself in a lot of groups. So I did musical theater. I did do drama. I played um, lots of sports. I played soccer very competitively for a while. And then I played volleyball as well um, throughout uh, all of my schooling and uh, really enjoyed uh, that. I was, you know, very good libero. So I was a back row specialist. And, you know, even though I'm short, there's still a spot for me, the volleyball team. Um, and so I always kind of was in a bunch of different groups and a bunch of, and wore a bunch of different hats. I was very good at being uh, a chameleon to whatever situation I was in, but still having my own voice. Anybody who has met me will know that I'm, I'm very much a strong uh, voice and a strong personality. And uh, you know, when I am around and singing for me has been a, a really big one. I still sing. Uh, I sing in a barbershop quartet and a, a competing uh, barbershop chorus. We compete internationally. And uh, I've been doing that now um, in my adulthood for a few years. So, cool. Yeah. What's the name of your quartet? So my quartet is named Woe, and uh, so W-H-O-A. And then my chorus is Gateway Chorus, and uh, they're part of Sweet Adelines International. Cool. That's lovely. Yeah. Uh, it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love it. And for me, as an adult, it became more about, um, you talked about loneliness. It became more about the, the sisterhood and the, the female community because I was craving that working in male-dominated industries. That, that is why I found them. I really, I really missed the singing, yes, but I stayed because of the people that are there. And it filled that kind of bucket hole that I was uh, really needing in my life. Sisterhood is really strong. Once you've experienced it, you realize how much it can contribute to giving you a sense of strength. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So from the groups you chose to belong to, what aspects of those cultural groups would you say you've adopted into your leadership style? So for example, Sweet Adelines could be one, Tech could be another. I'm sure you have many others, but yeah, of those groups has af uh, affected the way you lead. Again, I really do feel like my uh, leadership journey is still growing and evolving, but uh, I really enjoy working. So again, my team is all remote. So it was a challenge in itself. Like leading a team is one thing, but leading a team that is remote is a whole nother thing. And I really honestly believe the questions we ask are more important sometimes than the answers that we're seeking. I have really been trying especially for myself and my journey to get to know these people and their circumstances and their lives around the world. And so all of my freelancers or my gig workers that I work with, they have babies, they're getting a basket. They have a birthday, they're getting a card. We have scrums or L10s, uh, so leadership meetings, you know, once or twice a week. They are part of the CompuVision culture. Like if you ask them, 
they have a CompuVision email, they are part of this community, even though they don't technically sit in a desk in Edmonton or Calgary or any one of our remote office sites. But have they influenced you? So for me, having to dive deeper into questions has been the biggest one because they're working with 20 clients sometimes at a time and time for them is money. And so everything is quick, 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 quick. And so while I really appreciate that work style because we get stuff done. Sometimes it is me that is saying, whoa, let's just take, you know, 10 minutes at the end of this job and you tell me how your week is or you tell me, you know, what's going on in your life right now? Like, how can I be helpful? And it's really been this journey of listening to them that has made me craft very interesting and differentiating questions that I would have never had a, the courage to ask because I didn't know if it was appropriate or B, to get to know these people on a more human level because when you're talking to a screen every day, that sometimes is also hard, right? You have to remember there is a human at the other end of that screen. And so honestly, my leadership has extremely evolved around them because they're my only team. So everything I have learned about being a leader up until now working with CompuVision while some of it applies, I really do believe that it has changed immensely. Yeah. It seems to me that paying attention to those individuals in their context has given you insights that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And since they're all in different places, they come from their own perspective, also from that sense as well. Absolutely. They all have their different perspectives. And then I'm also extremely drawn to very high performing people on these platforms. And so they, like I said, are working with some of the biggest companies in the world, like Panasonic or, you know, names and names and names and names of, you know, these Fortune 500 large, large companies. And there's this little Canadian that kind of is squeaking in to say, hey, I want some of your time. And I've had to evaluate what makes me a good candidate for them because they're interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them. Um, and I think it evens the playing field a little bit because when traditionally you're, you're looking at leadership roles, you're the leader and somebody's under you. This isn't at all like that. This is a complete collaboration where ego has to be out of the room. Like if there is ego in one you know, spot at all in these types of uh, interactions, these jobs aren't going to go well. And so it's really coming at these projects and these people and their lives with, you know, that essence. We talk a lot about that in tech, that, you know, tech is moving so fast and you can either embrace it or you can fear it. And if you choose to embrace it, that's great. Or if you choose to fear it, that's, that's your prerogative. But if you can come at it at least with essence rather than ego and take a really good look at it with questioning versus defending then all of a sudden you can see things in a completely different light or a different way that you might have missed before. And so I am learning that it is not even about, you know, this traditional sense again of that leadership role. It is honestly more about being a collaborative, successful partner more than anything else. Yeah, it's about the development of capacity that emerges through collaboration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're participating in and creating and encouraging the development of a space where people can excel together towards a common goal. And they can't do that if they're stuck in their own ego space. The other thing that I want to point out about this space is that there's no parameters. Because of technology, there are no 
constraints or parameters. And so at this point in this evolution of future of work in the gig economy, literally, if you think it, you can do it. There are parameters. There are ethical parameters. You're acting as an ethical person in a technological space, and it's easy not to. There's an awful lot of opportunity to do otherwise, but you are offering a space where people feel safe and where they're not going to be exploited in that situation. Now, to be fair, these platforms that I'm using, so Upwork is a really good example, or Taskify, these are platforms that are built for safety of the consumer and safety of the freelancer. And if you read through the policies and procedures of what they have put in place to make sure that not only you as the consumer are protected, but the freelancer is also protected, they wouldn't be in business if people had a horrible experience. And so there's mediation teams, there's quality assurance teams. So there's a whole system that has been made to kind of back you up. And I don't think people realize that when you hear the term freelancer, you think you're just taking a chance and phoning a number on an ad for somebody halfway across the world. That's not what this is. This is It's a plugging very, into a system. And yes, there is rules there. But what I'm meaning with there's no traditional constraints. These people are coming in to work for me in my company with no political agenda, no history of the story, no old boys club, no like all the politicalness that you sometimes hear at jobs. And I'm very fortunate that CompuVision really does not have any of that. We are a very diverse group. We have a strong woman in the workforce attitude here. A lot of our senior roles are filled by women, which you do not see in the tech sector. Um, so I have to very much applaud my team here at CompuVision about how much diversity we do have um, underneath our roof uh, in a space that isn't normally very diverse. And so all they care about is the job and getting the job done. And there's nothing else than that end goal. And when it's very clear like that, and you're collaborating, it's actually quite magical, because all of a sudden now you're creating or working or producing at such an effective rate. And so, for example, when I first started working in this economy, in this gig economy, the budget that uh, CompuVision spent in that first year, we cut it by 70% and still did a 4X output than what they had been doing before working with a local agency. Those are staggering numbers when you start to look at how technology in this space can be more productive, more cost-effective, and be that resource pool that you might not have locally. So I I just want to put that out there as well. Mm -hmm. So how would you say your temperament and your personality affect the way you see the world? Oh, are you familiar with the DISC style? I am. So I'm a D. I'm very much a dominant style. Uh, I very much falter into that dominant style especially when I'm low functioning. And so I very much see the world through that, um, you know, get her done style. Uh, That's just innately who I am. And I think for me, I'm very quick to make decisions and I'm pretty risk adverse just from how I grew up and you had to make bold moves to survive. And so I think for me, that is definitely innately part of who I am. And it's something that in times I'm very proud of. And in other times I'm like, oh, Kara, you could have handled that so much better. (laughs) So I just think that's part of our journeys as humans and everybody has a style, you know, D-I-S-R-C. Right. And so whether you fall in that or not, at least being aware of it, I think, is a really good first step in whatever journey you're taking 
And at Coffee Vision, everybody has taken the disc and we display it so that if I'm coming to you, you know, with a problem and I'm a D, all I'm going to give you is the high level details and you're an S or a C. I know that I need to come to you with like a four page list of all of the details of how it got there before we can be able to solve it together. Or if you're an I, I know I need to ask you, hey, how's your day going today? Hey, do you mind if, you know, you could maybe just work on this for me for a couple minutes? that would be great, right? Rather than, hey, we've got this, we got to do it and now, 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 right? So putting everybody on the same uh, a level to um, speak to whatever their styles are, I think is really important from a culture perspective. Yeah, it's interesting how CompuVision is using DISC because it, it helps everybody to, first off, be self-aware and secondly, to pay attention to what other people need so that you can have the best possible relationship and the best possible focus on the job to be done. So that was a great the way you explained that. So can you recall a time when you became aware that your understandings of the world and how things were or are was specific to you and not just the way everybody saw things? Oh, that's a big question. Um, Sometimes, you know, as a child, you might have felt you stood out from a situation and that the way people did things. I remember when I was a kid being invited to a birthday party and I was thinking, wow, my family didn't do birthday parties. Like there was that, that was just not something that I, and the whole experience was something that I had never experienced before and I didn't know how to react to it. I was five years old. And I remember that as being a real shock no, and also it was an Italian family and they were cooking pasta with Parmesan cheese. I had never smelled Parmesan cheese before and I thought it was a terrible smell. So I, I just remembered that being a, a huge surprise to me. Um, but, and that's happened, you know, throughout life that just when you think you understand how things are going, something jumps up and you go, whoa, I did not get that at all. So, you know, and the same way you mentioned you were talking about working on a blog and the other person is hearing sirens and things going, get down, get down. That's not something you would normally experience in Edmonton. So that could have been an experience where you felt really that what you were living was different from what someone else was living? Oh, uh, I feel like I come across this every day in parenting. (laughs) You know, it's amazing when you become a parent and you think about everything that before uh, you become a parent of what you think a parent is or what it's going to be like. And then how absolutely terrifying, and I use that word, it is, it's absolutely terrifying when you finally hold that human and you think, I'm going to show you everything there is in this world. What I believe is true is what you're going to inherit. That is absolutely scary for me because I know that what I believe is true does not resonate to what others believe is true. And Plus I know- your child's going to challenge you. Everything that you think you understood turned on its head as your child grows. Yeah. <laughs> and we're one child, it's even more. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm sure there are some times in, in my actual childhood that that did happen. Like you talk about the birthday party. I'm sure if I thought back on it while I'm not, you know, in a podcast, I could probably come up with a few and after I had some time to think about it. But for me, I think the biggest, oh my gosh, moment is definitely becoming a mom. Also, all of a sudden being really sympathetic to a lot of people that were moms that I had worked with uh, on the way and, and not realizing, you know, that first year back from work, when you are coming off of mat leave, how traumatic it actually is, especially if, you know, you're still going through life and then breastfeeding or whatever you're still doing and to function on very little sleep. And uh, 
yeah, I had so much more sympathy for other moms and other women because we are absolutely amazing. And uh, (laughs) a lot of that is done behind closed doors. You know, It, it really is. I will never forget the first meeting I was late to because I had to pump, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? And I've got, you know, these guys banging on the door, not understanding that, yeah, I'm stuck. I'm hooked up to a machine right now. I can't move, right? That's a great example because really that is certainly a shock to the system. And it it also reminds you that you're connected to the whole human race and all the other women in the world who've ever had a child. And it, it broadens and deepens your understanding in really interesting ways. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end of the interview, and I'm wondering if there's anything else that you would like to say or promote. Oh, um, sure. I always want to promote CompuVision. So you've learned a lot about CompuVision in this podcast, more from personal experience than corporate experience. So I definitely, if you are looking for a place that can manage your technology and protect your organization, and then have those conversations that strategically accelerate you into the future for today and tomorrow for your technology needs. CompuVision is by far one of the best places that A, I have ever worked and B, that I uh, see uh, doing amazing things in the marketplace for our clients uh, and being very innovative, obsessed for you know cost savings, productivity, and risk reduction. I think those three ROI points are, are very big Uh, especially in our Alberta uh, economy today. We will put all of the uh, information about CompuVision into the show notes as well so that people will be able to hear it. Yeah, and Disruption Magazine is free. So if you liked anything that I talked about in terms of, uh, you know, gig economy or or freelancing or any of those experiences uh, through technology that we talked about, you go to disruptionmagazine.ca. Everything is free. The audio is free. The download is free. Alexa can read it to you if you want. All of that is on there for you for free because we wanted to make a magazine that was driven for Canadians by Canadians. So please support that because your support is what keeps it going. Wow, that's awesome. I will put that into the show notes as well. And I have taken a look at it and it's a wonderful magazine. Really, really well done. Thank you very much. So any uh, words of wisdom before we close out? No, I wasn't expecting so many amazing personal questions. So thank you for that. Uh, I've done a bunch of podcasts and you really wanted to learn about me as a human, which I really appreciate. So thank you very much for doing your homework and uh, asking some really poignant uh, questions about my life. Well, it's all about being a human being, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It is. It oh, 100% is. And I think it's uh, four o'clock on a Thursday and uh, you know, you're wrapping up the day and this was just a really nice way to, to end it. So thank you for everything that you're doing to promote uh, some amazing businesses and women in business. And uh, I just, I just wanted to take a minute and say thanks. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know you're in high demand and I am honored that you were able to be present and to be there and answer my challenging questions. Thanks again, Kara. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Kara Bedford is a woman of many talents and a capacity to excel at whatever she puts her mind to. She knows her level of expertise and expects to be treated with respect. This provides her with a confidence that had an entire industry tech giant team running after her to negotiate a contract after she walked out on them. I found it exciting to see how Carrie uses her position and influence to bring competent women in tech into the spotlight, and give them the place at the table they deserve. 
On a personal level, she is a lovely blend of the arts, sports, and technology, providing an example to her young daughter about how to make your mark in the world. Make sure you look for Cara Bedford in your social media and digital news feeds. Thank you for listening. And may culture and leadership connections continue to guide and illumine your world, which, by the way, will shine even brighter when you share this podcast and review it. Newsflash, have you downloaded our Future of Work set of three articles? Reading them provides you with the cutting-edge insights you need to develop a new career, transition into a different industry, position yourself for a new job, or start a business in ways that are aligned with the trends and disruptions of work in the world today. Make sure you are positioned to both survive and thrive. Download our Future of Work white paper article set here. It is shiftworkplace.co slash futureofworkwhitepaper. That is shiftworkplace.co slash futureofworkwhitepaper. And get started on the news you need today to stay current 